Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and today you're listening on the Believe Network. Can you believe it's already November and the ATP season is already over? It's hard to think about because I feel like just yesterday we were talking about the Grand Slams and everything that was going on with Djokovic not playing in a lot of Grand Slams and Rafael Nadal going for the career or the calendar Grand Slam and all that stuff. Roger Federer retiring, Serena Williams retiring. What else was happening in the tennis world? But we're down to the last month of the tennis season. The WTA is wrapping up this week. The ATP wraps up in a couple weeks. The next gen is happening this week. There's so much going on in the tennis world, and it all wrapped up with a giant tournament that was in Paris. That's going to be the first topic of conversation today, the Rolex Paris Masters that happened in Paris over the last week or so, and it's the last Masters 1000 of the of the year and really the last ATP tournament of the year. This is always a popular tournament, and everybody, a lot of people play in this. Um, you're looking at the top seeds in this tournament being the top seeds in the world. Uh, Alcaraz, Nadal, Rude, Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Djokovic, Rublev, Ali Asim, Fritz, Hercotch, Sinner, Nori, uh, Karina Busta, Chilich, and Tiafo. I mean, these are all guys that are seated at the, in the top 20 in the world that are also seated in the top 20 at this tournament. So a lot, a lot of players playing in this tournament and the best in the world playing in this tournament. And that's why Masters 1000s are really, really fun to watch, even though they're not Grand Slams. So let's get into this. Uh, what happened in this tournament that was notable? Well, you could say Felix Ogialia seem not losing forever. It seems like that being notable. I talked about that in last week's podcast about how good of tennis he is playing and the level of tennis that he is playing right now. And he carried that into this Rolex Paris Masters. I'm going to get to how his win streak ended here in a little bit when I talk about someone else at the top side of this bracket. But we're going to wait till the end to talk about that. Daniil Medvedev, the four seed in this tournament, falls to Alex de Manure in the second round. Disappointing to see from de Manure. But awesome to see from Francis Tiafo, who beats Damon Noor and beats Jack Draper and beats uh, Lorenzo Sinego all in this tournament to make it into the quarterfinals. So it's really good to see Francis Tiafo backing up what he did at the U.S. Open tournament after tournament after tournament. Because a lot of times some some players, you know, surge into the public eye uh, or surge into the mainstream of sport at tournaments, at big tournaments, Grand Slams, and then they kind of fall off the map in some of the other tournaments. So it's good to see him backing up his great style and his great level of play throughout these smaller tournaments into the end of the season. I'm going to go to the bottom side of this bracket and kind of work my way up the rest of the way. Uh, Rafael Nadal, the two seed coming into this tournament just after having a baby with his wife and uh, a son they had. And he loses in the second round, gets a bye in the first round, loses in the second round to Tommy Paul. Tommy Paul does have a good tournament. He beats Nadal. He beats Karina Busta. And then he loses to Stefano Tsitsipas. But still, 
Rafael Nadal losing to Tommy Paul in three sets. And some of this match, like towards the end of this match in the third set when Tommy Paul beat Rafael Nadal 6-1, Nadal wasn't even really trying anymore. So I'm not sure what happened. Uh, he says to be expected to be playing in the ATP Finals unless something dramatic happens. But he, he, Nadal just wasn't his Nadal self throughout this tournament. So that was kind of weird. But credit to Tommy Paul having a great tournament winning some great matches. If we keep going in this tournament, uh, Cam Norrie struggling in the 12th seed. He gets he gets beat by Mute or Mutet, however you want to pronounce it. He gets beat by him in the second round and then goes on to lose to Stefano Sitsipas. Stefano Sitsipas has a great tournament. I think Stefano Sitsipas, this is one of his better tournaments of the year just because of the way that you know, he consistently played well throughout this tournament. He beats Daniel Evans, he beats Mutet, and then he goes on to beat Tommy Paul, who had a great tournament, and then loses in the semis to Novak Djokovic in three sets. And I know this is expected for a Sitsipas, and you know, you're, you could say, well, he should be doing these things. Well, he hasn't necessarily been playing, you know, winning the matches he should, you know, as of late. So for him to come in and win the matches he should and then play a really close match against Novak Djokovic, it's good to see if, you know, especially if you're a Tsitsipas fan, but really a tennis fan, seeing a top player in the world fall is never fun. So seeing Tsitsipas actually play to his potential is good to see. Lorenzo Musetti, an awesome tournament he has. He goes on to beat Casper Ruud in the third round, the round of 16 in this tournament. So awesome to see him also playing well. Casper Ruud, I don't know. He's had a couple early exits lately, so I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, he, he will be in the Nito ATP Finals, so... I guess we'll get a better look at him when he plays in the ATP Finals, and hopefully he plays better. But it is interesting that he has just kind of been blown out of some of these tournaments early on ever since the U.S. Open. So I'm looking forward to seeing him play at the ATP Finals, and I think he should be at the ATP Finals. It's just a matter of can he play well enough uh, to his potential that he's played all year? I don't know if he's burnt out towards the end of the season, what it is, but he's had a couple early exits. Novak Djokovic, the sixth seed, uh, a deceiving a deceiving sixth seed he should be. He makes it all the way to the final. I'll get to him in a little bit. We're getting to the top side of the bracket. Felix Ogiel-Yassim, what an incredible tournament and really run he's had over the last month. He In the second round, he beats Mikel Yimer in three sets. This was a marathon of a match. It goes three sets. Two of the sets go to tiebreakers. It's three hours and 30 minutes. And there were a few times where I think Felix Ogiel-Yassim didn't look like he was going to win this match and wasn't playing uh, up to his full potential. But him to come out of this match and win was a awesome win for him. And when he won this match, I was like, okay, is anybody ever going to beat FAA? And in my head, I thought, no. In the next round, he faced Gilles Simone. And this is Simone's last tournament ever. He is retiring after this tournament. He is, he's been on the tour forever since 2002. He's 37 years old, ranked 147 in the world. Uh, very, very loved. He is from France. So for him to, you know, end in Paris, you know, is a great send off for him. But he has been on tour forever. He's beloved by a lot of players, I think. Um, especially those close. I mean, I know he's friends with, you know, Sanga and mostly the French, the Frenchman, but like Sanga and Monfils and uh, Richard Gasquet were all there for his last tournament, his last match, watching him in this tournament. But FAA goes on to beat him and end his career, really, in the third round. 
and you'd expect him to win that match the way FAA is playing. Then FAA goes on to play Francis Diafo, wins in straight sets, but then he loses to Holger Rune. And this is why this is a big deal. Going into that match against Holger Rune, FAA had won 16 consecutive matches. He hadn't lost in 16 matches on tour. Remember, he won a few tournaments in a row in October. A lot of momentum moving into this Rolex Paris Masters. I think a lot of people thought he'd just roll through. I did, even with the talent that was in this tournament. I thought FAA had a real legitimate chance at winning this tournament just because the way he's played lately. But he loses to Holger Rune. Holger Rune ends his streak of winning all those matches. But listen to who Holger Rune beat in this tournament. Holger Rune, up until the point where he had to play FAA, Holger Rune beat Stan Wawrinka in the first round, goes on to beat Hubert Hurkacz, Hubie Hurkacz, then goes on to beat Andre Rublev, and then goes on to beat Carlos Alcaraz. Alcaraz had to retire out of this match because of an oblique injury, which we'll get to in a little bit. But Alcaraz, he was beating Alcaraz anyway. So he beats Alcaraz. He was beating him 6-3, and it was 6-6 in the second. And then he goes on to beat FAA. Like, the the rankings of the seed, let's just go straight seedings of this. FAA is the eight seed. That's who he beat. That's who Rune beat in the semifinals. In the quarterfinals, Holger Rune beat the number one seed and the number one player in the world, Carlos Alcaraz. In the round before that, he beat the seventh seed, Andre Rublev. In the round before that, he beat the 10th seed, Hubie Hurkacz. And then Stan Wawrinka is Stan Wawrinka. Uh, he's not seeded in this tournament. He gets a PR into this tournament. However, Stan Wawrinka is Stan Wawrinka and has been playing really good tennis. Uh, not really good tennis, but better tennis than he had in the last couple of years, you know, injury and being off tour and everything. But I thought Stan Wawrinka had been playing good tennis moving into this tournament, and Holger Rune beats him in three sets in the first round. So that tells you the level of talent and the level of play, really, that Holger Rune is at right now in his career. He's only 19 years old, and he's absolutely steamrolling a lot of these players that are established on tour and really good on tour. He beats Hubie Hurkacz in straight sets. He beats Rublev in straight sets. He, you know, has to his set and most going to look to win the second set against Carlos Alcaraz. And then he goes on to beat Felix Ogier Aliasim in three sets. So what Holger Rune is doing right now, unbelievable. So then Rune makes it into the final and he plays Novak Djokovic. So for this match, I'm thinking, you know, there's no way he beats Novak Djokovic. I don't think, because Djokovic is playing good tennis and always plays good tennis, it seems like. And I thought there's no chance Holger Rune beats Novak Djokovic. But uh, he does. He beats Novak Djokovic. Holger Rune, the 19-year-old, beats Novak Djokovic, his idol at one point. He beats the man who has 21 Grand Slam titles. He beats the man who seems unstoppable on the tour so often. And Holger Rune comes out of nowhere at 19 years old, beats five top 10 players to make it to the final. And does this. I mean, that is incredible. What Holger Rune did in this Masters 1000 is so hard to wrap your head around. He beats five top 10 players throughout five days to win a Masters 1000, including including Felix Ogiel-Yassim, who's playing great tennis, including Novak Djokovic, including Carlos Alcaraz, even though it was retired. He beat all of those guys to make it and win the Masters 1000 that is the Rolex Paris Masters. I thought this was an incredible, incredible tournament for Holger Rune. Not only does he win this, right? He now backs out of the next-gen finals because he is the alternate for the ATP finals. 
So he gets out of the next gen to possibly play in the ATP finals. That is wild to me. With that win, though, he also moves into the top 10. He is ranked 10 in the world. He has jumped eight spots to be 10 in the world. Right now, the rankings go Rune at 10, Fritz at 9, Djokovic at 8, Rublev at 7, Ogiele Asim at 6, Medvedev at 5, Rude, Kasper Rude at 4, Stefano Tsitsipas at 3, Nadal at 2, Alcaraz at 1. That is crazy to me. That's crazy to me. Holger Rune is the first alternate now for the ATP Finals, and he will skip the next-gen finals because he is the alternate there. What a couple weeks for Holger Rune to be able to pull that off, be able to back out of the next-gen finals, win a Masters 1000 against all of those players he had to play, really grind it through, and then now he's going to the ATP Finals. I would have never guessed this if you would have told me this earlier this year. No way would I have thought that he would be able to do this. But Holger Rune, wow, what a season you're having, dude. Now we got to move on from what Holger Rune's doing to the place that he was supposed to be in Milan, and that is the next-gen finals. That is happening this week. Next week is the ATP finals, and that's where Rune is going to be the alternate as of now. Unless someone else backs out, then he's actually playing in that baby. But right now, the next-gen finals are in Milan, and this is who is in it. Now, I apologize if I announce some of these names wrong. It's the reason it's the next-gen finals is, is because some of these players aren't necessarily established yet on tour. This is who's in it. Now, you might recognize some of these names. Lorenzo Musetti's in it. Uh, Jack Draper's in it. Brandon Nakashima. You should know those names because those are names that have kind of been on tour a little bit and have played really well, and I've mentioned them on here because, you know, I, some of these guys I forgot were even this young for the next gen. But uh, nevertheless, they are. So those those are three names at the top of my list that kind of are highlighting this event. And then it goes Jiri Laheka, uh, Shun Sin Seng, Dominic Stricker, Francesco Pizarro, and Matteo Arnaldi. Those are That wraps up the line of eight. I, I like the next-gen finals just because you get to know names and you get to see players that you didn't even know were potentially the next-gen, I guess. I think that's the point of the whole event is to show you players that you might not know are up and coming. And so this kind of gives you a good idea of who's going to be that guy, right? And you know of Musetti. He, I think he's the most notable in this group for sure. But, you know, Nakashima's had a decent year. Draper's, you know, came on late as of late. But some of these other guys, you know, a tournament like this is really going to catapult them into, you know, the eye and the ears of some of these tennis fans. And so this tournament is always good. Who do I think is going to win it? I'd love to say Musetti, but I think Jack Draper might take this one just because of the level of play that he's been at, and I have to be honest with you, I don't know much about these other guys, so me picking Draper is simply because I was going to pick Draper, Musetti, or Nakashima. I mean, straight up. that's I was going to pick one of those three anyway, so I don't know how much faith you want to put in my pick, but we'll see next week if I'm right or wrong. Let's get to some news quick before we go. Uh, that injury that was at the Masters 1000 in Paris, that was to Carlos Alcaraz, is going to end his season. He is not playing in the ATB Finals, and he's not playing... In the Davis Cup. So, with this injury, his season's over. He ends his season with 57 wins, 13 losses, and five titles, one Grand Slam, two Masters 1000s, two ATP 500s, seven finals he made, and he went from number two 
or 32 in the world, excuse me, to likely year-end number one. He turned 19 years old in May. He's the youngest ever world number one. What a year for Carlos Alcaraz. An incredible year for Carlos Alcaraz. He has an oblique problem, I think, is what he said. It's something in his oblique. I, let me look at what he said again. He said something uh, he is having by being evaluated by his medical team, uh, internal oblique muscle tear in the left abdominal wall with an estimated recovery time of six weeks. So hopefully he's back by what's going on in Australia for the Australian Open, and I think he will be. So that's crazy. Uh, he still can end the year as year number one. That would be interesting at 19 years old. That would be awesome to see. But that is what's going on with Carlos Alcaraz. Also happening last week, Ben Shelton, the youngster out of Gainesville, Florida, he played for the Florida Gators, uh, claims his first ATP Challenger title. Uh, he beat Christopher Eubanks in Charlottesville, and he gets his first win in ATP Challenger. Uh, we're all exciting. A lot of hype around this guy moving into the U.S. Open because what he did in Cincinnati, what he did at the U.S. Open, all that stuff. Uh, but this is his first Challenger win, and this is kind of the start of his professional career. So interested to see you know, how this moves forward. But remember, these guys don't just sit at the top all the time, right? They got to go through this process of becoming a pro, and that's what he is doing right now. The last thing I want to get to with the injury to Carlos Alcaraz, it will be Taylor Fritz who will become the fifth American man to play in the ATP uh, finals in singles since 2010. Uh, the most different players of any country in that span. It was Roddick, it was Fish, it was Sock, it was Isner, and now it's Fritz. So American gets back into the ATP finals and it's Taylor Fritz. This is who's in the ATP Finals. This is going to come out before I even get to next week's podcast. I know it is. So the the matches start on Sunday. So this is gonna they're going to start playing before next week's podcast. But I'll talk about it in next week's podcast for sure. Even though it's still going on, it's Rafael Nadal, Casper Ruud, Stefano Tsitsipas, Novak Djokovic, Daniil Medvedev, Felix Ogiealiasim. Andre Rublev and Taylor Fritz. I would not be shocked to see FAA win this. I wouldn't at all. I don't think Rude's gonna Rune is gonna get in it because unless one of these guys gets hurt or gets bored and doesn't want to play in it, I don't know what's gonna happen. But I think FAA has a real shot at winning this, and I'm gonna pick Felix Ogiali Asim to win this. Uh, I think he's I think he's playing well enough. I think he's playing the best out of any of these guys, and I think FAA is gonna win the ATB Finals this year. All right, a little long on the podcast this week, and I'm sick of hearing my own voice. So I'm going to let you go. There's a little bit more we're going to talk about next week when it comes to other things, but uh, the next gens this week, the WTA Finals actually wraps up on this Monday. That is November 7th in Dallas, Texas. I'll touch on that next week when it's final. Unfortunately, I didn't get to that in this pod because I recorded this before it was over and I didn't want to wait because I promised you guys it'd be back on Monday, blah, blah, blah. A lot of reasons for it, but we'll touch on it next week, the WTA finals. I know it's uh, Sabalenka and it is Garcia in the final there. So a lot of weird shocks in there, uh, but it's in Fort Worth, Texas, and they've been having fun all week. Great content on Twitter and social media in general, really Instagram, all that stuff. So it's been awesome to see. I'm glad it's getting some recognition down there in Fort Worth and the fans are turning out a little bit and it seems like it's a good event putting on in America for tennis, which is awesome to see. Anyway, I'm done with my rant. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you later. See you next week. And uh, the ATP final starts on Sunday. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.